whether it be a literal giant person in your life or whether it be trouble that comes our way, yet we don't have to be afraid because of what Christ has done. And uh, you're going to see that even in our, uh, our passage um, this morning. Despite how well things were going, suddenly here comes trouble. Isn't that normally how life is? We're going to start in chapter 2, uh, verse 19, and then we'll work through chapter 3. Esther, chapter, chapter 2, starting at verse 19. It's found on page 485. That's always a tough little book to find. I probably told you this before. I remember one time I was preaching on Jonah. Do you think that Sunday morning I could find the book of Jonah in my Bible? Yeah, it's a little embarrassing when the pastor can't find it either. All right. Verse 19. Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Azararus, King Xerxes. And this came on the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the, the king, in the name of Mordecai, when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. After these things, King Xerxes promoted Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew." And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he, he, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, they cast pur, that is, they cast lots before Haman, day after day, and they cast it month after month, till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. When Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also do to them as it seems good to you. 
Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and an edict according to all that Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over the provinces and to the officials of the people, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces uh, with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the people to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. I was talking to my youngest son this past week. He's working on his uh, master's degree in, in counseling at at Denver Seminary. And he said a couple weeks ago he was involved in a, a, a group project. He and another uh, student were uh, supposed to put this 40-page paper together. And um, while my son did his half, he kept waiting for the other fellow to finish his half, and he just never seemed to get to it. Well, it was the day before the uh, paper was supposed to be turned in, and uh, this young man called my son and said that yeah, he's just been too busy. He couldn't get to his half. Yeah, that kind of leaves you in a bind, doesn't it? And so my son says he worked all that night trying to finish the other half of the paper um, so they could turn it in uh, the next day. What seems unfair, though, and, and, and that's what my son said, it, it, it didn't seem fair that the other person in his group would get the same grade that he was going to get, even though... He hadn't done anything with the paper. He had come to maybe one or two of the meetings, and and that was it. Isn't that just like life sometimes, though? Plain and simple, it it isn't always fair. It doesn't always work out the way we want it to. Sometimes you, you get dumped on at work while others take it easy. Or your hard work and your good deeds, they, they, seem, to, they seem to go unnoticed by those around you. Or others take the credit for the things you have done, or, or just life is going along fine, and you're at peace, and you feel joy, and it's just a good time to be alive, and all of a sudden, here comes the trouble, right out of the blue. I think you could say that that trouble ultimately comes because we live in a broken world, a broken, sinful world, but still, to be on the... The receiving end of that, it's, it's not always easy. Look at Esther in our story. We ended up last time seeing how Esther and King Xerxes got married and how Esther won favor in the king's eyes. Afterwards, the king threw a great feast for all his officials and all his servants and in honor of Esther. He also granted a remission of taxes in all the provinces, and gave gifts with royal generosity. So not only did the king celebrate, but he wanted all the people to celebrate as well with him. You might remember that the title of my sermon last week was In Search of Cinderella. And you would have thought that now in this chapter, we're, now that Cinderella was found, it's going to be happily ever after, right? Because that's how fairy tales end. 
But it doesn't go that way. It doesn't go that way. Right away, seems when you, when again things go are going fine and going smoothly. That's when we find that bump in the road, and sometimes it's not easy. Chapter two ends by telling us that despite the celebration in the in the kingdom, two of King Xerxes' officials who were eunuchs, were, were not happy with the king. Maybe it's because King Xerxes lost his, his battle with Greece. Maybe it's because he got rid of Queen Vashti and they were close to, close to the previous uh, queen. Or maybe they just held a grudge that the king made him eunuchs. I don't know. We're not really told the reason. But these men hatch a plan to assassinate the king. Even the names of these two guys, they, they sound like thugs, don't they? Big, Big Thana and Teresh, they sound tough. Apparently their, their plans were overheard by Mordecai, and so Mordecai told Queen Esther, and Queen Esther told the, the king. And when it was found out that these men were guilty, they, they were hung, or the actual Hebrew there is they were impaled on, on stakes. Now because... Assassination was a, a constant danger for a king. Usually, the, the person who, who thwarted that kind of a, a plan, they, they were highly rewarded. And so you would have expected at the beginning of chapter 3 to hear that. This is how chapter 3 begins. Again, with those familiar words. We've heard these before. After these things. What things, you ask? Well, the things that just happened with with the assassination, with uh, that the king just took Esther as his, his queen, the celebration. You would have expected, though, chapter 3 to begin with us hearing something about how the king rewarded Mordecai, but we never hear his name mentioned. It's like the king forgot him. Instead, we're told about a, a man by the name of Haman, who gets promoted above all the other officials and becomes the king's right-hand man, kind of like Joseph was for, for Pharaoh. I bet he thought to himself, Mordecai, boy, this, this really isn't fair. But Mordecai was a godly man. He wasn't doing this for the king. He was doing it because it was right. He was making a stand. Now, when you're placed in a position like this, it can either bring out the best in you or the worst. And for, for Haman, I think it brought out the worst. Because he was a selfish and, and greedy and proud and self-centered man, that, that's what we see coming out of, of him after uh, he gets promoted like this. And, and because he was vain, a lot like King Xerxes, you can see why these two were hanging out together, he wanted all this recognition. He wanted people to bow down to him. I'm sure that just fed into his ego. He wanted people to pay homage to him. But there's one who would not do that. And as we saw a moment ago, that was Haman. I mean, that was Mordecai. He wouldn't bow down to, to Haman. And, and scholars, they've argued as to why. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Mordecai bow down to him? And, and some say, well, it's because we're not supposed to bow down to anyone but, but God. And while that's true, yet we don't see him making an issue about bowing down to King Xerxes, so I don't think that's the exact reason. 
I think the, the, the reason is actually a, a lot worse than that. He doesn't bow down to, uh, to Haman because there's a past there. Verse 1 tells us that Haman was the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Sounds like something Popeye would say, doesn't it? Agagagaga. Yeah, Agagite. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me anyways. Now that doesn't mean anything to us, but it would have meant a lot to a, a, a Jew. Because Agag was the former king of the Amalekites. And they were a cursed people in God's sight. The Amalekites had been enemies of the Jews right from the very beginning. You might remember the story of when Israel was wandering in the, in the desert, the Amalekites would attack the, the, the rear of the, the encampment, or as they were traveling and they'd pick off those who were slow, or they'd pick off the weak and the sick, and God was not happy with them. And he, again, many times, said that they were a cursed people. Later, when God's people were about to enter the, the promised land, God said again in Deuteronomy 25, that the Amalekites were a cursed people and the people were to blot them out. When God gave them the opportunity to do this in 1 Samuel 15, that's the whole story with, uh, with Saul. Saul disobeys. Instead of obediently wiping them out like God had asked him to, he saves the king. Haman, I'm sure, was a descendant of the Amalekites, and he probably grew up in a home that was very racist. Where do kids pick up racism from? They can pick it up in, in the media, they can pick it up on TV, but you know what? The, one of the best places for kids to pick up racism is right in the home. They see mom and dad or grandma and grandpa being racist, and it's so easy to, to follow after. And I think we all need to ask ourselves, what do our kids see when they hear us talk? when they see the way we treat others, especially those who are different from us, from a different color, a a, a different culture, a different color of their skin. How do we treat them? Do we treat them as image bearers of God or do we look down on them? Are we racist as well? See, everyone deserves our respect as image bearers of God, but sometimes people have a hard time doing that. Mordecai, he knows this history. And with Haman being an enemy of God's people, for him to to bow down to Haman, it would have been a violation of the commandment that God had given him about the Amalekites. So Mordecai, he, he decides to follow God at whatever the cost. And we know from the way our, our story goes that there there was a cost. A cost not only for Mordecai, but also for all the Jewish people. And again, that, that um, Haman wasn't content to just focus on Mordecai, but he focused on all the people. Again, it, it, it tells us that there's more going on there. He has a deep hatred for the Jewish people, and I'm sure it goes back um, because of how he was raised, because of what, what had happened in the past. I remember when I was a, a, a youngster, um, whenever we would go to uh, DeMond, Indiana, some of you know where that is, um, we'd drive down 41, and usually on the weekends, the Klan would be there. And they'd be at the intersections, they'd be along the side of the road, and they'd all be 
doing what the clan does. And uh, I remember what really struck me, though, when, when I saw them is the little kids that were running around with hoods and, and robes on. Little kids, tiny kids, dressed just like mom and dad. Again, what were they learning? I think it's pretty clear. That's often where racism starts. And clearly, clearly Haman hated the Jewish people. Now, it took a lot of courage for Mordecai to not bow down. Day after day, the royal officials, they just kept pestering him. you, you got to bow down. Why, why aren't you bowing down? That's what was commanded. Bow down. And apparently at one point, when they asked him, what is your reason for not bowing down to, uh, to Haman? And Mordecai must have told them, because I'm a Jew. And eventually this got back to Haman. And again... I think that's why it's no longer is Haman just focused on, on Mordecai, but all the, all the Jewish people. And Haman even promises a huge sum of silver that would go to the, the, the king if, if this was successful, if, if he could actually um, wipe out the Jewish people. And, and we don't really realize when, when we read our, our text how much silver this was, but it would have been, back then, about $5 million worth of silver. This is a huge sum. Not that, not that Haman had this, but Haman knew that the Jewish people had lots of wealth. And so he was counting on selling that stuff, giving it to the king, and putting it in his treasury. And apparently that appealed to the king, because he okays Haman's murderous plan. But before Haman brings his plan to the king, he's got to find his lucky day. They often did that back then. Um, They cast um, lots or or Purim, what our text says. And what they would do is they would cast uh, lots for every single day of every single month, all the way until the, the, the time was picked, and that was supposed to be their lucky day. Since it was the beginning of the month, this would have taken a while. I mean, the beginning of the year, it would have all been almost a at least 11 months away before this would actually take place. Think of the mental torture that must have been for the Jewish people to know that in 11 months you were going to be wiped out. Every one of you. Man, woman, child. And the date that, that Haman finally picked, though, because he thought it was lucky, reminds us something, too, that, that God really is in control. If only Haman had known Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Because the date that was picked is actually the day before Passover. I'm sure, I'm sure Haman, he didn't know that. But for the Jewish people, that would have been very encouraging to hear that. Because just as God had protected Israel when they were in Egypt, you might remember the blood on the doorposts and, the, and the, the angel of death passed over. God saved them. God delivered them. And, and so for, for Haman to pick this date right before Passover, again, they would have been thinking, but our God will save us. Our God will deliver us. So Haman sends words to the provinces of the kingdom. And again, because it was such a big land that, that King Xerxes ruled, it would have taken months for word to have gotten out to all of them. And so what are some of the things we can learn from this passage that we can apply to ourselves? 
And I think the first one is uh, making a stand for what's right is often costly, and sometimes it seems unfair. Making a stand for what's right will often be costly and seem unfair. Remember what happened to Queen Vashti? She did what was right. She was unwilling to wear, to not go into the presence of all these men at that banquet, that drunken banquet in chapter 1, without a veil covering her face, even though that's what the king wanted her to do. And because she refused, he booted her out of her queenship. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Or Mordecai, because he's being obedient to, uh, to God, and he wouldn't honor Haman. Suddenly he finds himself in the crosshairs of, of Haman. And not only him, but all the Jewish people. This is the reality of living in a sin-sick world like we do. I mean, when the new heaven and the new earth comes, that's when loyalty to Jesus will be rewarded. You may wonder if God really notices when we make a stand for him. And the answer is yes, he does. It's just that we haven't received our reward yet. Oh, we receive a reward here on earth. God blesses his people abundantly. But often, given what we have to go through, given the persecution, given the trouble, because of our faith, it's, it won't be rewarded until we get to heaven. And that's okay, because what awaits us is so amazing and so incredible. And so we can't give up. And so we can't, in addition, we, we can't be tempted to give up and, and, and fail to make our stand for the Lord. It would be a mistake to, to go after the trinkets of this world, to go after the things of this world, and miss out on the reward that, that Christ has for us. Second, making a stand for what is right will often be hated by those in the world. I think we see that so clearly. Think of how Haman, in his irrational anger, goes after Mordecai, and that leads to all the Jewish people. You know, I find it interesting that everyone's opinions are tolerated today, except for Christians. For example, when our our country tolerates the Muslim faith, and recognizes a lot of its major holidays in our public schools, the same isn't true for Christians. And when Christians give their opinions about politics or about social issues, we're right away labeled as being those right-winged nut jobs, right? Those crazy people who don't care about others, who don't love others. And with that label over us, the media ignores us. Facebook it won't post many of your posts. And while it would be a whole lot easier to just fit in, the problem is when we serve a higher king and a higher law, there's going to be times that the world hates you. They're going to hate what you stand for. John 3 says, Darkness hates the light and wants to extinguish it. But rather than return hatred for hatred, we need to love. That's what we've been called to. We need to pray that the way we act, the way we speak, the way we live our lives, it 
might point to Jesus. See, we're called to make a stand, just like Mordecai was, just like Esther will be called to make a stand, and we'll see that next time. And so I ask each of you, how, how are you doing this morning in making a stand for the Lord? Will you claim God's promises? Scripture is full of promises. Will you claim them and live by them? Certain that God will keep his word? Or will you doubt? Will you believe a promise like Joshua 1.9, where God says to Joshua, and he's saying that to us as well, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Claim that promise. That's for each of us. We don't have to be afraid. We can be strong and courageous in this world. You can make a stand for the Lord, knowing that God is watching over us. God is protecting us. God will give us the words to speak. Now having said that, that doesn't mean we won't go through hard times. We won't go through trouble or we won't go through the storm because we all will. But what it does mean is we won't ever go through that alone. That God will always be there with us. But when you fail to make a stand, when you fail to do what's right, the consequences, they they can be great. And they affect not only us, they they can affect not only your family, but they can affect other people as well. Like Saul's disobedience in putting to death the Amalekites. Saul was commanded to destroy them all. He didn't totally understand why God wanted that, but that's what God asked him to do. In many ways, it was like a first fruits offering to the Lord. And because Saul refused, because he allowed the, the king to live at least for a while, apparently that line was established. And, and Mordecai and Esther and the Jewish people had to suffer the consequences of it later. Can you imagine if Jesus had done the same thing, thinking he knew better than God did? about the cross, that he could work out a a better way to win our salvation than having to die? If he had done that, rather than save you from sin and death, rather than our receiving the gift of eternal life, we would have been condemned in our sins. And we would have all been facing an eternity without Christ. But thankfully, Jesus did take a stand. And that's what he asks us to do now. To make a stand for him. To follow in his footsteps. To take up the cross and to follow Jesus. Many of you know the significance of October 31, 1517. That was the day Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the All Saints Church in in Wittenberg. Before long, that document had been copied over and over, and it spread across Europe. His views were condemned by the Pope as heretical. Eventually, Luther was invited to come and either deny or affirm his views. At that trial, he was led to a table, and there on the table were hundreds of copies of the letter he had written, copied by other people. 
And there he was asked, do you still believe what you say you did in that letter? To say yes would have immediately meant his death. Pope did those kind of things back then. But after some consideration, he apologized for maybe the harsh way he put his letter. But then he said this. He says, I cannot and I will not detract them. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. He made a stand for the Lord. And because of it, we've been blessed. Our faith is all the richer. And may God help you and I so that we might make a stand like this for the Lord. May we make a stand like both Luther and Mordecai as we wait for our deliverer to return. While the the world may not reward you for living for Jesus, you got to remember God will one day. It's worth it. It's worth all that you might have to endure. It's worth what you have to go through here for just a short little time. But until that day that Christ returns, will you make a stand for the Lord? Will you live for His glory? That's what we're being called to this morning. And through the strength of the Holy Spirit, may we be faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for examples like Mordecai. Lord, that he was willing to put you before anyone else. It's also a reminder to us of what our dear Savior did in making a stand and putting you first and being obedient to your will. And because of it, our, our salvation was won. Father, we just pray that just as you use Mordecai and Esther to bring about the salvation of others, Lord, use us. Open our eyes. Help us to see the lost all around us. May we love them both in word and in deed. Forgive us, Lord, when we're too focused on ourselves. Lord, we can't see those around us. For, Lord, we just pray that you might soften our hearts. May we love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. May we live for Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. There is power.